Oh, come on, Charlie. We need to rob more people. We're running out of money. Joe, how many times have I told you? We can't do any robbings right now. We can't steal right now. The New York police, they're looking for us. I know they're looking for us, but come on, we're the best. We can do this. We need to rob more people. Joe, I told you, if we go rob people now, we're going to get caught. Didn't you see the newspapers today? And in a deep underground, in an apartment underground in the Bronx, these two thieves, these two robbers are talking to each other, Joe and Charlie. And Charlie says to Joe, didn't you see the newspapers today? And he holds up the newspaper. And on top of the newspaper, on the front, front page of the newspaper, it says, pair of pickpockets robbing on the Manhattan subways. New York police cannot find them. Does anybody know what a pickpocket is? Dove, what? Somebody who just goes to the crowd, just picking wow, a lot of Good, yes, very good. So a pickpocket is a certain kind of a ganev. Because he's learning the sugyas about Lusignovan. So there are certain types of robbers, right? Sometimes a robber will sneak into someone's house or sneak somewhere and take something. A pickpocket is a certain kind of robber who's very, very quick with his hands and they're able to reach into people's pockets without them even realizing. Let's say like a busy place, like it's on the subway or a busy building and they have certain tricks and they're like, they're almost like magicians. You know how magicians can move their hands really, really quickly. They make a card disappear and you don't even know what happened. They just quickly move their hands. So a pickpocket is kind of like a magician in the way that, you know, they're able to do it so quickly someone wouldn't even realize. They reach into someone's pocket some people who are pickpockets can use it. They can use it as a good thing. They can do magic shows and, and show people and impress people and, and make people, bring simcha to people. There's a pickpocket. He doesn't steal from people, but he's really, really quick. A certain magician. He can hold up a deck of cards. I've seen this before. And he says, pick a card. And somebody picks a card. Let's say they pick an ace, an ace of hearts. And then he puts it back in the deck and he shuffles up the deck. And then he says, okay, look for your card. And then the person looks through the card and tries to find the ace of hearts. It's not there. And then he can turn to someone in the crowd and say, take out your wallet. And the person takes out their wallet. They open up their wallet. Has anyone ever seen something like this? Inside their wallet is the ace of hearts. Certain people are so quick and tricky with their hands that they're able to sneak things into people's pockets without anyone even noticing. So a pickpocket... Basically, he's able to do things really quickly, sneak things into people's pockets or grab things out of people's pockets. So these two guys, Joe and Charlie in the Bronx, sitting in a basement apartment, they were wanted by the NYPD, the New York Police Department, because they were going on the Manhattan subways where it's really, really busy. And for years and years and years, they would go on the subways and they were just grabbing people's phones, grabbing people's wallets. And they were talking to each other and they realized that the police are looking for them. The NYPD had had enough and they wanted to catch them. And Joe was saying, come on, Charlie, we need to do more robbings. We're running out of money. We need to pay our rent. We need to buy food. We need to buy all this fancy stuff that we need. And he says, listen to me. This is not the time to go and rob people. 
The police are looking for us. There's tons and tons of cops on the subway system. And if we try to, if we get caught, that's it. We're going to get put in jail for the rest of our lives. Let's wait a little bit longer. Oh, come on, Charlie. Come on. Okay, here's what we'll do. Charlie says, let's wait one week. In one week, I'm sure all the police will give up. They're going to spend a week looking and looking and looking. And in about one week, I'm sure they're going to give up. And then we'll get back onto the subways and start pickpocketing people again. And we'll start making big, big bucks. Lots and lots of money. I don't really want to wait a whole week. That's what we need to do. We have to wait a week. We can't risk getting caught. Okay, fine. And they agree to wait a full week, even though they were running out of money. And they were itching to go and rob more people. But they agreed that they're going to wait one week. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, there was a yid by the name of Moshe Goldstein. And Moshe Goldstein, he lived in Manhattan. And for a while, he had lots and lots of businesses. He owned a bunch, a bunch of different businesses and he was making a lot of money. And then suddenly everything took a turn for the worse and he was losing lots and lots and lots of money. And he realized that the only way really that he can continue with his businesses is if he can borrow money. He needed to borrow a nice amount of money so that he can get himself back on his feet and start his businesses again. He needed $30,000. He needed $30,000. A lot of money. And he went to a bank and he sat down and they said, yes, how may we help you? And he said, my name is Moshe Rosenberg. I forgot what I said his name was. Goldberg, Goldstein. He changed his name a lot of times, so that's, what, that's why it was a little confusing. And uh, he said, listen, I have a lot of buildings. And I know, I know if I can just borrow $30,000, he said to the bank, I'll be able to pay you back. I can pay you back. I, I, I'm sure of it. I just need to borrow this money. If I don't borrow this money, everything is going to fall. All of my buildings and all of my property and all of my businesses are going to go down the drain. But if I can borrow this amount of money, I know I have a plan. I can get back. And the person in the bank was, well, um, what if you can't pay us back? If I can't pay you back, I'm going to be able to pay you back. I guarantee it. Now, sometimes if, if the bank is not sure if someone's lending, if they're lending money, they're not sure if someone's going to be able to pay back, they can do something and say, well, we'll lend you the money, but if you can't pay us back, you need to give us something. Maybe the house, or maybe his car, or maybe some other property, or maybe his buildings. And the person in the bank said, we will lend you this money on condition that we can use your property as it's called a collateral. It's like a mashkon, if you learn the Gemara. It's like a mashkon. He says, we'll lend you this money, but if you can't pay us back, in one month, we are taking your property. Okay. Fine. I'm willing to do it, because he was so sure that if he got this $30,000, he would be able to restart his business and get back on his feet. Okay, let's just sign some papers over here, over here, here. And they bring out this huge stack of papers, and he's like going through it and... Sign over here, sign over here, sign over here. Okay, 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 sign over here, sign over here, sign over here, sign over here. And he's signing paper after paper after paper. And finally the man in the bank says, 
Mr. Goldstein. I think we, we decided his name was Goldstein. Mr. Goldstein, I'm glad doing business with you. Please come back on Tuesday to pick up your $30,000. I am looking forward to seeing you. We will be giving you $30,000 cash. That means it's not a check. And it's not like a, a, uh, an electronic that they're sending into his bank account. They were going to give him $30,000 cash, meaning $100 bills. How many $100 bills is that? Yeah. A lot of $100 bills. We'll do the math later. Thousands of $100 bills. Um, $300? $3,000? $3,000? $3,000? Okay. It's going to be on Tuesday, and he's thrilled. He signs all the papers. We have an account. It's good. We have an account. He signs all the papers and he is thrilled. He has this is it. He davens to Hashem. He says, Hashem, let this be Matzliach. Hopefully, with this $30,000, I can get back on my feet. He goes home. He tells his family and he cannot wait for Tuesday to come when he's going to go to the bank and pick up his $30,000 cash. And to find out what happens, join us next week at Avosubanim. And we will find out what happens with Mr. Goldstein Rosenberg, Sternbergstein, man. Good luck, everybody. Um, someone else is going to be doing the raffle. Okay. Good luck. To be continued. So if you remember, we were in the middle of a story last week. Mr. Moshe Goldstein, he lived in Manhattan, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and he owned a business. His business actually was that he had a bunch of shoe stores, a bunch of stores that sold shoes throughout New York. And his stores were not doing so well, and if you remember, he wanted to borrow $30,000, because he knew that if he can borrow $30,000, there was a really cool, special basketball shoe that was just coming out. And he knew a place where he can get it really cheap. And if he could borrow $30,000, he would be able to buy this special shoe. He, would, he knew it. He would sell out in a day. And he would be able to make back all his money and get his stores back on their feet. And if you remember, he went to the bank. Mr. Goldstein? Please sign on the dotted line. We'll be happy to provide you with a $30,000 loan. And he had a huge stack of papers that he had to sign. And they told him to come back. Mr. Goldstein, please come back on January the 4th, Tuesday. Tuesday, January the 4th, to pick up your money. $30,000 cash. They told him that they would not be willing to give him a check. And they were not willing to give him the money electronically, he had to come pick up $30,000 cash. And at the same time, if you remember, on the other side of town in the Bronx, deep down in a basement somewhere underground, there were two pickpockets. If you remember, Mr. Nachtiman, Dov Nachtiman, explained to us what a pickpocket is. A pickpocket is someone it's a, it's a type of a ganev that they're very quick with their hands. They're almost like magicians, and they're able to steal money from people's pockets without them even realizing. And those two pickpockets, Joe and Charlie, 
they were laying low for a little bit. What that means is that they were not really robbing anyone for a few days because they knew, if you remember, Joe... Hey, boss! Look what it says in the New York Times! If you remember, he took out the New York Times. Joe showed his boss, Charlie, look what it says! And it said, pickpockets, terrifying New York City subways, NYPD, the New York Police Department, unable to catch them. These two pickpockets, Joe and Charlie, no one was able to catch them, but they knew that the NYPD, the New York Police Department, was looking for them. And they decided, Joe was begging Charlie, he said, come on, Buck, we gotta go rob some people, we're the best that there is, of course we'll be able to steal some things on the Manhattan subways. And they agreed, all right, here's what we'll do. No pickpocketing, no robbing for the next week. On Tuesday, January the 4th, that's when we'll make our big comeback. We'll hit up the Manhattan subways and we'll make back all the money that we haven't been making this whole week. That's a great idea, boss. Let's do it. Meanwhile, at the NYPD headquarters, the New York Police Department headquarters, there was a meeting that was called. And all the New York police, imagine like 200 cops, 200 policemen all sitting in a room with their uniforms and at the head of the table, there is a big, strong officer who's sitting there with a mustache. And it says on his shirt, Officer Smith. Good evening, gentlemen. There's a reason that I called you all together this evening. Yeah, that's what we wanted to know. How come we made us all come to this meeting? Wait one moment and I will explain. New York City is being terrorized. This is Officer Smith sitting at the head of the table with hundreds of police, of New York City policemen. New York City is being terrorized by these pickpockets and we need to catch them. Gentlemen, does anybody have any information about these pickpockets who have been terrorizing New York City and terrorizing our subways? And uh, one officer in the back raises his hand. You have some information? What do you think? One officer in the back raises his hand. Um, I think there are three of them. Three of them. How do you know there's three of them? Um, because they're doing a lot of stealing. There's gotta be at least three or four of them. Does anyone have any real information about these men? Now what they do sometimes, when the police are trying to find someone and they don't have a picture, but maybe some people have seen them, they hire, you can hire an artist, a professional artist who's a professional able to draw people's faces. And if you describe what you saw, you know, how the person looked. Was he wearing glasses? Was he wearing a hat? Does he have a beard? You describe what you saw, and you can tell this artist, and sometimes the artist can draw a picture, and they can post pictures all over New York of what they're looking for, even if you don't have a real picture of the person. So Officer Smith is sitting at the front, and he says, Gentlemen, I hired Andy. He's an artist. He's going to help us put together a picture of these pickpockets. 
Can everybody please share some information that they know about these gentlemen? And uh, one person says, uh, I, I think they have a nose. Okay, the artist starts making a nose. Uh, anybody else have any information? Uh, I think they have eyebrows. Okay, the artist is like quickly putting in eyebrows. Uh, anybody else have any information about these two pickpockets? Um, they, they, uh, they, a guy in the back raises, uh, they, they have, uh, eyes. Okay. Andy, the artist, is quickly putting in the eyes. And after, like, 20 minutes of everybody trying to contribute to put together a picture of what these guys look like, uh, okay, Andy, please show us. What do you have here? And he picks up his, picks up his paper, and it's just, like, a smiley face, a big circle with a mouth and eyes, and it's just a guy smiling. No! This is not going to help us one bit, gentlemen! Has anyone actually seen these guys ever? It's quiet. No one's ever actually seen these two pickpockets. So Officer Smith says, Everybody listen up. This coming Tuesday, January 4th, I want every NYPD officer on the subway station. We got to catch these guys. Now, if you're following the story, Tuesday, January 4th, is the same day that Moshe Goldstein was going to come back to the bank to pick up his $30,000 cash, cash. And it's also the same day that the two pickpockets, Joe and Charlie, decided that after their break for a few days, after they broke for a few days from pickpocketing, they're going to get back onto the Manhattan subway station and they are going to try and make back tons and tons of money by pickpocketing people. All these three things happening on the same day on Tuesday, January 4th. And the night before, on Monday, January 3rd, Moshe Goldstein is so excited, he can't believe that the bank was willing to lend him the $30,000. And in the back of his head, he keeps thinking, well, you know, you remember what they said? They did say that if I can't pay back the $30,000 in one month, the bank said they're going to come and try to take my house. Because if you remember, they said it was like a mashko, and they said, if you can't pay us back, but he's like, he keeps thinking about it. Well, what if I can't pay it back? No, 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 it's fine. Those shoes, those basketball shoes, I'm going to use the $30,000, $30,000, and buy those shoes, and I'll be able to sell them in a few hours. I'll easily be able to make back that money. And the night before, Tuesday, January 4th, Moshe Goldstein, he just can't sleep. He's so excited, so nervous. He's going back and forth, and he's trying to fall asleep. And it's midnight. And before he knows it, he's rolling over in bed, and it's 1 a.m., and it's 2 a.m., and then all of a sudden he hears, Tati! Tati! Oh, no. And his two-year-old little baby girl, Chayla, is crying in her crib, and he's like half asleep at 2 in the morning, and he goes into her room. What's wrong? Kyla throws up all over the room. 
And Moshe Goldstein has to spend the next hour cleaning up the room and changing his baby. And he's like, oh my goodness, I'm getting no sleep tonight. And tomorrow I have this big meeting at the bank for the $30,000. And he spends an hour cleaning everything up and changing his baby. Finally, he gets back to bed. And he tries to lay down. And he starts thinking again, $30,000. I really hope I sell all those shoes. I really hope I make back that money. And before you know it, it's 4 a.m. And then it's 5 a.m. and he finally falls asleep. And an hour later, his alarm starts beeping. Beep, 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 beep. And he gets out of bed. He's so tired. But today is his big day. Today is the day, Tuesday, January 4th, that he's going to the bank to pick up his $30,000 loan so that he can finally buy all those shoes and sell them. And he finishes davening. Now in Manhattan, he lives in Manhattan on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. To get to the bank, the bank was all the way on the other side of town. And Manhattan is one of the busiest places, if not the busiest place in the entire world. It's, it's the busiest, the most traffic, the most people. You can't really drive in Manhattan from one side to the other. Most people take the subway when they want to go from one end of Manhattan to the other. And Moshe Goldstein thinks for a second, you know, taking the subway down to the bank, holding $30,000 cash on a subway in New York City doesn't seem like the best idea. But he's so tired. And he just wants to go get the money. And he finishes diving and he hops on a subway to head down, downtown Manhattan, to go to the bank to pick up his $30,000 loan. And at the same time, on the other side of town in the Bronx, there's a gentleman named Charlie who was starting his day, heading over to Manhattan. Now these guys, these pickpockets, we're gonna finish in one minute. These pickpocket guys, they're smart. They know that if they look like thieves, then people are gonna suspect them. So you know how Charlie, when he leaves the Bronx and heads over to Manhattan, you know what he's wearing? Fancy three-piece suit, fancy gold tie done up with cufflinks and a fancy watch, hair slicked back. He looks like a fancy businessman, and he heads out of his apartment in, in the Bronx to go over to Manhattan so that he can finally start pickpocketing people again after a whole week of them waiting. And at the same exact moment, at the NYPD headquarters, the New York Police Department headquarters, 200 police officers are starting their day heading out to the New York City subway station so they can catch these guys. We will find out what happens next week. To be continued. Tuesday, January 4th was the day that they were going to be back on the streets, back on the subways of Manhattan. And at the same time, on another part of town in New York City, the NYPD, the New York Police Department, they had all met and they said, we are going to catch these guys. And they said, starting Tuesday, January 4th, we're sending out all of our units to the Manhattan subway system. Everybody, 200 police officers, onto the Manhattan subway system. And it's January 4th, Tuesday morning. And Moshe Goldstein wakes up after one hour of sleep. That's all he slept because he was up the whole night. He was 
anxious and nervous and his baby was up sick and threw up, that's correct, and he had to clean everything up and finally he wakes up, he goes to Davin, he's half asleep and he's thinking, how is he going to get to the other side of Manhattan to get to this bank to go borrow the $30,000 that he needs? And in Manhattan, Manhattan is like the busiest location, I think, in the world, perhaps. Maybe not that. There's places in China and probably that are a little bit more. But there's tons and tons of people in Manhattan. Very hard to drive from one side of Manhattan to the other during rush hour. It's tons of traffic. So what do people do? They take the subway system. Moshe Goldstein was a little bit nervous to hop on a subway to go borrow all this money, but he realized that's the only way you're going to get from one side of Manhattan to the other on a Tuesday morning. So he finishes davening, he gets on the subway, and he travels from the upper west side of Manhattan all the way to the other corner of Manhattan, the lower east side of Manhattan. And it's about 8 a.m., and he's standing outside, and he walks into the bank and says, Good morning, I'm here to borrow money. Oh, hello there! How can we help you? Um, my name is Mr. Goldstein. I arranged a few days ago that I was going to come and borrow some money. Mr. Goldstein, please come on in. My name is Montgomery Bartholomew Banks III. I am the president of this bank. Please be seated. And there's a guy with hair brushed to the side and a fancy suit and gold-rimmed glasses. And this is Mr. Montgomery Bartholomew Banks. Mr. Goldstein, please have a seat. So glad that you're using our bank to borrow money today. We do want to remind you that if you are unable to pay back the $30,000 which we have discussed, in one month's time, we will promptly be taking your home from you. Uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that we agreed on that. Okay. But Mr. Moshe Goldstein realizes that this, he has no choice. And he's sure if he can borrow the $30,000, he's going to be able to buy these fancy shoes and make back that money. Do you understand, Mr. Goldstein? Uh, yes. That's what we agreed upon. Okay, uh, we just have uh, one or two papers for you to sign. Just a moment. And Mr. Banks goes into the back and takes out a stack of papers like this big plops them down in front of Mr. Goldstein. Uh, please sign page uh, three, the bottom of initial over here, sign over here. And remember, Mr. Goldstein really didn't sleep all that much the whole night, and he's like half asleep, just signing paper after paper. Okay, next paper, okay, this paper over here. And finally, after this very, very long, drawn out meeting, Mr. Bartholomew Montgomery Banks puts it. Well, congratulations, Mr. Goldstein. Just wait one moment. And he goes to the back, and there's this, pulls a picture off the wall. Imagine like a picture, picture on the wall. He pulls it off, and behind that picture, there's a secret little code that nobody knew about. Little pin, you know, like a bunch of little numbers. And he takes the picture off, and he starts putting in, and he puts his fingerprint on. It's a special safe that you need to do, it's like three layers of locks. First you have to put in the code, then he has to put his fingerprint, and he's the only person who's able to open it up because it recognizes his fingerprints. And then he looks into this machine and it looks into his eyes and it has like this face recognition and finally, the door opens up. Tons and tons of money in there. And the head of the bank goes in 
and he starts filling up tons of envelopes, $30,000 in cash. Envelope after envelope, $100 bills, $100 bills, $100 bills. Closes up the secret safe, puts the picture frame back on the wall, and comes out to Mr. Moshe Goldstein. Here you go. Congratulations, good luck to you. I'll be seeing you in 30 days for this money. You're gonna have to pay it back. Okay, and Mr. Goldstein quickly does, says a silent tefillah. Hashem, please help me with this. This is like his last chance to kind of make it back and get back on his feet. And he takes all those envelopes and puts them into his briefcase. He's got like a black little briefcase closes it and he walks out of the bank and he's holding it really tight, $30,000 and he does not want to lose that money. And he gets back on down the stairs underneath to the subway station, hops on a subway to take him back up to the Upper West Side. And he's sitting at his seat and he is dead tired. And he says, I'm so tired. No, 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 I can't fall asleep. I have $30,000 cash with me on a New York City subway. I cannot fall asleep. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, no. He pinches himself and he's like smacking himself and he can't fall asleep and he's holding this thing tight, tight, tight in his hands. And he's like, I cannot fall asleep. This, I need this money. I really, really. And he falls asleep with $30,000 in his briefcase between his legs. Meanwhile, in the Bronx on the other side of town, as we talked about last time, Charlie, one of the pickpockets, is heading out of his apartment and it's the first day back on the subways to go pickpocket people in, in a, a one or two weeks. And I was telling you guys last time, these guys are professional pickpockets. They know if they go, that's right, they're dressed up. They know if they're on the subway looking in like torn jeans and a t-shirt and they look like, they look like maybe the kind of people that would be pickpocketing, the police are gonna recognize them. So Charlie is leaving his apartment in the Bronx with a three-piece suit and a gold pocket watch right over here. And his hair is slicked back and he's wearing a nice silver tie and he looks like a fancy businessman. And Joe comes chasing after him. Charlie, wait for me, I'm not ready yet. Joe, I told you already. I don't think we should both go today. What? What are you talking about? We agreed we're both gonna go. We're both gonna pickpocket January 4th. No, Joe. The NYPD are after us. If there's more people, if there's two of us on the subway system, we're double as likely to get caught. Joe, let me do this one today. That's not fair. I want to pickpocket too. All right, listen, here's what we'll do. Let me go by myself, but I promise you, whatever money I make today, we will split 50-50. $50? I don't want $50. No, no, not $50. 50-50, it means half and half. Whatever money I make today, you get half and I will get the other half. Please just stay home. I don't want you coming with me today. 
That's not fair. We're going to make lots of money. You're going to be able to pickpocket too. Just for today, please stay home. I'll scout out the subway system. If I see something and I'm able to pickpocket someone, I'll bring it home and we'll split the money. <coughs> okay, fine. And Charlie, with his three-piece suit and his gold pocket watch and his hair slicked back, heads off from the Bronx to Manhattan and starts riding on the New York City Manhattan subways. And meanwhile, all of these NYPD policemen, 200 policemen are all, every single subway station, every single subway car. There's tons and tons of police. Some of them are undercover. What that means is they don't even look like police. They just look like regular people, but they're undercover police and they're everywhere ready for these guys because they know that these guys are itching to start pickpocketing again. And Charlie hops on one of the subways and he's staying kind of low-key. He doesn't want anyone to notice him. And he starts just looking around. Hmm. And he's trying to see who's an easy target. Who do you think would be an easy target on a subway system? Somebody who's awake or someone who's asleep on the subway? And he sees... In the back of the subway, on one of the subway cars, he sees a Jewish guy holding a briefcase between his legs. And he doesn't really look like he's paying that much attention to what's going on, this Jewish guy. And Charlie looks over at him and says, hmm, that looks like it might be a good target for me. And to find out what happens, no, you'll have to come back. Tavos Dubanem, next week. Okay, it is time for the raffle. But the problem is that he was getting very sleepy. No, I have to get up. I can't fall asleep. I can't fall asleep with $30,000 cash on a Manhattan subway. And he kept trying to wake himself up and he was hitting himself and pinching himself. And at the exact same time, on the same subway in Manhattan, there was a pickpocket, a thief, Charlie the pickpocket, who had walked onto the subway. Remember, Charlie and his friend Joe were the two biggest pickpockets in all of New York City. Nobody has been able to catch them. And they were spending some time at home not stealing anything because they knew that the NYPD, the New York Police Department, was looking for them. And Charlie told Joe, he said, Joe, I'm going to go to the subways today. You stay home. If we both go, then there's a better chance of us getting caught. I'm going. Oh, please, can I come with you? It's not fair. No. Joe, you stay home, and I'm going to go by myself. And Charlie walked on to Manhattan subway, and he looked around, and he was wearing a fancy suit, and his hair slicked back, and he was holding a fancy briefcase, and he looked like, look, and he had a pocket watch, that's true. Good memory, good job. He had a fancy gold pocket watch to make himself look. He didn't want people to think that he was a robber. So he looked like a fancy guy, and he sees in the back, back, back of the subway this Jewish guy with a yarmulke, 
and a fancy briefcase between his legs. And he sees this Jewish guy with his head down like this. And he said, hmm, that looks like an easy target. Looks like someone who might be easy to go pickpocket. Now a guy like Charlie, who's one of the, one of the best pickpockets in New York, he's not just going to walk over to a guy who's asleep and pick up his briefcase and then walk off with a briefcase because he'll get caught. So a guy like Charlie is very thought out. He planned it. He planned it all out. And Charlie came onto the subway and he took a seat very calmly in the corner of the subway and he was watching, watching across the subway watching this man in the corner who was fast asleep with his head, with his head down, with his head down. He was watching him and he was waiting for the perfect opportunity. He was waiting for the perfect opportunity to go ahead and rob this Jewish guy that he sees on the subway. Now, does anyone know what it means to, to make a distraction, to distract somebody? You distract somebody, that means you do something somewhere else so everybody turns that way, and then maybe they're not going to focus on what you want to focus on. You could distract them. You have them look somewhere else. So Charlie was sitting calmly with his slick back hair and his briefcase, watching Moshe Goldstein in the back, back, back of the subway. And he's waiting for the perfect opportunity to cause a distraction. And after about 10 minutes of waiting, he sees it. This is it. He sees someone on the subway, a young guy with a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. And the guy's holding a massive iced coffee in his hand. And the guy's walking slowly on a Tuesday morning through the subway car. And Charlie is watching him very closely, right near where Moshe Goldstein is. And Charlie stands up and he pretends that he had an emergency and he had to get somewhere and he stands up. Charlie's holding his briefcase. In Charlie's briefcase was a stack of papers these papers were garbage. There was nothing important about them, but he made it look like he was an important businessman on his way to a meeting with a stack full of important papers. And he stood up and he was looking down, holding his briefcase. And this other guy was coming the other way with a massive iced coffee. And Charlie said, I gotta go. And he banged right into the guy with the iced coffee. The iced coffee went flying in the other direction fell, boom, right on a lady's head, iced coffee dripping down. What's going on here? And everybody, all of a sudden, there was a whole commotion. What just happened? Meanwhile, Charlie's briefcase, he did this on purpose. He left it unlocked. The briefcase popped open. A thousand papers, these important looking papers, it looks like some official documents, flying in the subway car. At that moment, everybody is looking towards the lady who's shrieking because she just had an iced coffee dumped on her head. Everybody's looking that way. Charlie very, very calmly bends down, 
quickly, imagine how quick, these guys are super, super, super quick. Opens up Moshe Goldstein's briefcase, looks in this pocket, looks in this pocket, his eyes light up and he sees stacks and stacks and stacks of $100 bills, $30,000 cash. And he quickly sneaks them, some into his pocket, some into his socks, some into his jacket. Everybody is on the other side. Papers are everywhere, iced coffee is everywhere. And he very calmly closes up Moshe Goldstein's briefcase and calmly walks off at the next stop. Subway stops, the doors open. He doesn't make a run for it because what do you think is gonna happen? If he runs off the subway car, people are gonna say, get him! He just walks off, takes a look, takes a look at his pocket watch, his gold pocket watch, and very calmly walks off and leaves this whole commotion and he starts walking out of the subway station and right about then Moshe Goldstein hears a lady shrieking ah! what? what's going on looks around there's iced coffee dripping on the walls there's papers everywhere he does not what's going on here and he looks down at his briefcase it's nice and closed he doesn't suspect anything but he decides he's gonna just take a look. With all this commotion, it's been about now two minutes since he was robbed. He looks down into his briefcase, he opens it up, and he can't believe it. His briefcase is empty. Just lost $30,000 cash. And he gets up and he says, somebody robbed me! And everybody said, what happened? I just lost $30,000. And who do you think everybody is going to point to when they say, someone robbed me? Everybody immediately points to the guy with the big iced coffee. It was you! You dumped your iced coffee to try it. And everybody starts yelling and Moshe Goldstein, Hashem Yerachem, he says, it's Fila, Hashem, help me. And meanwhile, Charlie is already on his way back to the Bronx with his 30, he's already counting his money, $30,000 cash, and Moshe Goldstein is devastated. And if you remember, the NYPD were all over the subway that day because they knew about these pickpockets. And as soon as Moshe said, I lost my money, everyone said, that guy, this guy with the coffee, all of a sudden, three undercover cops on that subway stand up, you, you're under arrest. Check your pockets. They start looking through his pockets find a cell phone and a quarter, 25 cents. Uh, sir, is this the money you were talking about? We found it. No, not a quarter. I lost $30,000. And Charlie was long gone with the money. And to find out if Moshe Goldstein gets his money back, you will have to come back next week. All right, time for our raffle this week. Charlie sneaks over to Moshe Goldstein's little bag when no one else is looking because everybody's distracted by all the other stuff that's going on. And he pulled out $30,000, put it into his pocket and calmly walked off. At the next stop, the subway stopped, the doors opened, everybody was yelling, 
He calmly walked off. The New York police, undercover New York police, jumped up. They knew something was up. Moshe Goldstein woke up. He sees that his money's gone. He started yelling, the New York police, there were three undercover cops on the subway. They quickly got up, what happened? I lost $30,000. They grabbed the only person who was standing right in the middle of all this. This guy who had the iced coffee, they grabbed him. Give us back the money. They reached into his pockets and all he had was 25 cents, one quarter. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was just walking with my iced coffee. And meanwhile, Charlie, is walking away very calmly. He's not gonna run away, because you know what's gonna happen if you see someone running through a subway station? It's gonna look a little suspicious. So Charlie, in his three-piece suit, calmly walks away and walks up the stairs back onto the streets of Manhattan. And by now, the police realize that this is not the right guy. This guy with, who holding the iced coffee only had 25 cents. They checked everywhere. They checked in his shoes, in his socks, in his back pocket. Obviously, he wasn't the right guy. And finally, when things calmed down a little bit, the police said, turn to Moshe Goldstein, what happened? What was, I had $30,000, it's gone. And they started asking people, who else was here when all this happened? There's papers everywhere, whose papers were these? And no one really remembered, and someone said, there was a guy in a suit, one guy, a guy in a three-piece suit, but he didn't look suspicious at all. And one of the undercover cops takes out his walkie-talkie and says, I want every NYPD, every New York City police officer to look around the subway stations for a man with a three-piece suit, slick back hair, and a pocket watch. Everybody, woo, woo, woo. Cop cars, police cars coming everywhere. Every single subway station now has tons of policemen. Now, Charlie was a smart guy though. Because remember, Charlie and Joe, these guys were the best pickpockets in all of New York. And in his bag, he quickly walked into a bathroom in the subway station and he threw on top of his three-piece suit, he had a sweatshirt and he had a pair of green pants and he quickly put them on because he knew people are going to be looking for someone in a three-piece suit. And he made his hair all messy and he put on a pair of sunglasses and he walked out of the bathroom and he still has the $30,000, but he looks like a totally different person. And the cops are all over and he just walks right by them. He's not nervous one bit. And he walks slowly, picks up a cab in Manhattan and takes a taxi, takes a cab back to his apartment to go tell Joe, his partner, what happened. And meanwhile, Moshe Goldstein is a mess. He's crying and he can't believe it. $30,000 that he just borrowed. And remember what the bank said to him. They said, if you can't pay back the $30,000, they're gonna come and they're gonna take his house. And he lost the money and he was a mess. And what does a Yid do when they're in trouble like that? What does a Yid do in that situation? He went to go daven. He went straight to his shul. It was the middle of the day, it was empty, and he sat down and he went over to the Arun Kodesh and he started crying his eyes out. What's he gonna do? He had lost $30,000 cash, his business was falling apart, and he had 30 days to pay this back, and he lost the money, and he starts crying and crying and davening, Hashem, I need your help. And he finishes davening, and he goes to talk 
to his Rav. Calls up his Rav. And he says, I need to tell you what happened. I'm in a really, really rough situation. And I need to meet with you immediately. And his Rav hears that it's a serious situation. And he finishes diving and he goes over to the, to the Rav's house. And he tells him the whole thing from beginning to end. And meanwhile, in the Bronx, in an apartment in the Bronx, Charlie walks in with his sweatshirt and his green pants and he says, hey, Joe, you're not gonna believe this. What is it, what happened? I made some money. How much money did you make? Pulls out of his, pulls up his sweatshirt and he pulls out stacks and stacks and stacks of those. I can't believe this. This is amazing. Because remember, they had waited so long. They waited so long to go back and start pickpocketing it again. And they count up the money. 100, 200, 300, $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, $30,000. Well, Joe, I told you. I went by myself. You stayed back, but I told you we're gonna split it evenly. You get $15,000 and I get $15,000. Oh, Charlie, thank you so much. This is the best day ever. And they split the money and they go out and celebrate. And at the exact same time, Moshe Goldstein is sitting, crying by his Rebbe, by his Rav. And he tells him the whole story. And he says, I don't know what to do. I'm sure somebody took it. There was a whole commotion. I don't know who it was or what happened. There was ice coffee flying. There was papers flying. I don't know what's going on. And his Rebbe says to him, Moshe, I'm going to tell you what to do, but you have to trust me. Okay? What should I do? And he says, I want you to put an ad in the newspaper all of the New York City newspapers saying that you were on the subway and you lost your money. It's okay. It's not like, you know, Hashavah Zaveda, no one's really going to return 30. That's obviously somebody robbed. But he says, there's one thing I want you to say. I want you to write, I was on this and this subway on this and this day in New York City and Manhattan. I lost my money. And I want you to write that you lost $60,000. Rebbe, I don't think, I think, I don't think you understand. I told you it was $30,000. I understand exactly what you said. I want you to write that you lost $60,000. Just trust me. And to find out what happens, you will have to come back next week to Avos Ubanan. Okay, time for today's raffle. Advertise in the New York City newspapers that you lost $60,000. And Moshe Goldstein, he was devastated, obviously, because he lost all this money. But he trusted his Rebbe, and he davened, and he went back to shul to daven some more. And he said, Hashem, I need your help. And then he came home, and he took out a phone book. And he started calling some of the New York City newspapers, which we won't mention in a base medrash. Hamodia, Yated. And he started calling and he said, uh, hello, I'd like to take out an ad 
that means he'd like to pay for a page in the newspaper. So if somebody's reading the newspaper, they're reading through, and all of a sudden they'll see a big page, which Moshe Goldstein paid for, and somebody picked up the phone. Hello, this is the New York newspaper. <laughs> How can we help you? I'd like to take out an ad. How much does it cost? You know how much it costs to take out a full page, to, to advertise a full page in one of the New York newspapers? $500. $500. Moshe Goldstein just lost, just lost $30,000. He barely had any money. But this is what his Rebbe told him. He needs to take out an ad. And he gathered enough money to take out an ad in one paper, and then he called another paper, and they told him, we will do a full page ad, $500, and another $500, and another $500, and he's so nervous. He barely has any money, and this is what he's spending his money on, but this is what the Rebbe told him. Uh, what would you like the ad to say? Um, please write that on Tuesday, January 4th, I was on a Manhattan subway, and I had, had $60,000 in my briefcase, and it is lost. If anybody finds it, please call this number. And the person on the phone from the New York newspaper, the person on the phone from the New York newspaper was listening, and you know what their reaction was? <laughs> you want me to write that you lost $60,000? You think someone's going to call you and return it to you? Sir, it's New York City. Somebody probably stole the money. He said, I know, but this is what my rabbi told me to do. Okay, it's going to cost you $500. And he didn't care. And the person was laughing at him on the phone. You think someone's going to find $60,000, going to return it to you? Are you out of your mind? And he called up one newspaper, and he called up another newspaper, and they're laughing at him. Who calls up and takes a full-page ad in a newspaper saying they lost $60,000? And they told him, you know, you can't just call the newspaper. They can't put the ad the next day. They told him it's going to be one week. In one week, Newspaper one said we'll put it in, and another newspaper said we'll put it in. It's going to be another week. And I remember he borrowed $30,000, Moshe Goldstein. He had one month to pay it back. And time is ticking. Where is he going to get this money from? Now it's going to be another week, and then he has to put it in the newspaper, and then he has only three weeks left, and he's so nervous. But what does a yid do when he's nervous and in a desperate situation? There's no one else that can help him except Hashem. So he listened to what his Rav, his Rebbe told him to do, and he davened, and he waited. And you could imagine that week, how nervous he was, what kind of week that was. The newspaper, $30,000, he wrote $60,000, and he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And meanwhile, in the Bronx, on the other side of New York City, in a basement somewhere, Joe and Charlie, are wearing some fancy new suits and sipping on some fancy new schnapps that they were able to buy. They each had $15,000 that they were just got from this, from this pickpocket, from this robbery. And if you remember, 
Joe was the one who stayed back and Charlie went and Charlie told him, you stay back. I'm going to go get the money. And Joe trusted him. He said, we can't both go because if both of us are on the Manhattan subways, we're going to get caught. We're going to get caught. Let me go. I'll come back. We'll split it evenly. And Joe came back. Charlie came back, sorry, later that day with a wad of money, $30,000. And he gave Joe, thank you so much. This is amazing. $15,000. Charlie had $15,000. And they're enjoying their money, planning their next big robbery sipping on their fancy schnapps and their fancy suits with their slick back hair. And Moshe Goldstein, what's he doing? He's just davening every day. There's nothing else he can do. He listens to what his Rebbe said and he's just davening. One week later, as the week passes by, Joe and Charlie are carefully planning their next big robbery and sitting in their apartment And Joe takes out the morning newspaper and starts flipping through. And he's sipping on his coffee one morning. And all of a sudden, I can't believe this. What is it? Uh. And he's looking at the newspaper and he sees full page ad. It says, I was on the subway on January 4th, on Tuesday. I lost $60,000. If you have found it, please call me, Moshe Goldstein. Joe is reading this, and he says, that was the day, the same day, that Charlie went and came back and gave me $15,000. And he told me that he stole $30,000 and gave me half of it. And Joe's reading this and it says $60,000. And suddenly it hits him. And he doesn't say anything because he doesn't want Charlie to know what he's thinking. But what he was really thinking is, this is crazy. Charlie promised me that he's going to go do the robbing and whatever he gets, he's going to split with me. He came back later that day. I waited here patiently. He came back and told me that he had $30,000. He gave me $15,000. And he took $15,000. But he lied to me. It says in this newspaper ad that the person lost $60,000. He's thinking in his head, Charlie... Lied to me. He told me to stay back so that he can go do all the robbing and he did not split it evenly. $60,000 is a lot more than $30,000. It's double as much. And Joe started thinking in his head, Charlie stole from me. Now, it's not surprising. He stole from somebody else and that's what we do for a living. We steal. But then he stole from me and he promised me that he's going to give me half but he kept his mouth shut. He didn't say anything. He just spit out his coffee, read the ad. He got up. Where are you going? Uh, I'll be right back. (laughs) Ran out the door. And he went straight to the NYPD. 
the New York Police Department. All of a sudden, in comes this guy. Hey, I need to tell you guys something. Uh, excuse me, sir, you'll have to be seated. There's a line up here. No, you're not going to believe this. The New York City pickpocket. Uh, you're going to have to file a report if you have something. No, I know who the New York City pickpocket is. Uh, which pickpocket are you referring to? There's this man standing behind the desk, desk at the NYPD. And Joe says, you know the New York City pickpocket that everyone's been looking for? Uh, just a moment. And the guy goes to the back, calls the head of the NYPD. I think we uh, need to meet with this person. And they take Joe to a back room and they sit him down. And they say, uh, hello, sir, can you tell us a little bit more? And he says, yes, the pickpocket that everyone's looking for. It's, uh, it, was, it was my friend. It's my friend, Charlie. Hmm, where does this Charlie live? Tell us a little bit more information. And they start writing it down. He lives in the Bronx. And uh, where do you live, sir? I live in the Bronx. Okay, and uh, this pickpocket you're talking about, what address? Uh, number 122 Maple Street. Okay. And where do you live, sir? Uh, number 122 Maple Street. Um, okay, tell us a little bit more about this pickpocket. He's my friend. He stole everything. And he even stole from me. Okay, um, tell us a little more. About how long has this been going on? For many, many, many years. And they start writing a whole report about all the money that's been stolen. And Joe was so, so, so angry at his partner, Charlie, that he ran into NYPD, told them everything that's been going on, and meanwhile, told them about himself also. And uh, the New York officer, Officer Smith says, oh, just a moment, sir, we'll be right back. Uh, can you just be seated for one moment? Steps out of the room, comes back a moment later. Uh, Mr., what did you say your name was? Uh, Joe, uh, uh, Joe. Mr. Joe, please stand up for a moment. Uh, if you don't mind, put your hands behind your back. Okay. You're under arrest. What? What's going on? Take us to your partner. And they take him, put him under arrest, and they bring him to the apartment in the Bronx where the money was. And he was so angry at his partner for stealing from him that he didn't even realize that he's getting himself in trouble too. And they bring him right to the Bronx. All of a sudden, Charlie's sitting there, enjoying his money and sipping on his fancy coffee. And all of a sudden, open up, it's the NYPD bang the door open, and they search the whole apartment. What's going on here? Put him on, you're under arrest, sir. For what? For pickpocketing New York City. And they take Charlie, and they take Joe, and they put them under arrest. And they find, some of it was already spent, but they find almost all the money almost all of Moish Goldstein's money, hidden in the apartment. And the NYPD is thrilled. They finally found these two pickpockets. Moish Goldstein is sitting at home, just davening and hoping that he can get back his money. He has no clue, this whole thing, $60,000, the ad. All of a sudden he gets a phone call. Um, hello, sir, this is o Officer Smith from the NYPD. Uh, hello. 
Is your name uh, Moshe Goldstein? Yes, it is. Uh, did you by any chance lose some money on a Manhattan subway about one week ago? Yes, I did. What happened? Uh, well, sir, we found your money. We're going to come down to the station and you can come pick it up. Just bring some ID. Bring your identification. And Moshe Goldstein can't believe it. He goes down to NYPD and he gets back his money. $30,000. Thank you, Hashem! Can't believe it. The first thing he does is he davens and gives hoida, gives thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the next thing he does is goes to his Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, I don't understand. How did you think of this idea? How did you know to, re- to tell me to say $60,000 and that?